going to throw it. And he's got the touchdown! Here's Brady's pass. It's Gronkowski! Oh! Max strips it! He is unbelievable! Welcome to the Tabor Gridiron Podcast. I'm Steven here with my son Isaac. Hello. Once again, Isaac, this was a really crazy, awesome week of football. It was. I'm super excited because we get to start out today. Really, I just want to get right into it because mm-hmm. we have a really cool guest with us today. And you and I have talked about this for a while, Isaac. And yes, we can have. Can we get Michelle Tafoya to hang out with us and talk some football? We've watched her for years. So I'm super excited. First of all, I was looking up stuff, and it can take me like half the podcast just to read her impressive long career. So we won't do that. Just focus on some of the NFL aspects. I'd encourage you to check it out, though, Mm because it's really cool, all the different things and all the different sports she's covered and places that she's been. Michelle is a four-time sports Emmy Award-winning sportscaster. Most notably, Isaac, you and I have watched her for years on Sunday Night Football on NBC with Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Mm -hmm. just fantastic. She covered her final NFL game at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, this past year, February 13th, 2022. Michelle now has a fantastic podcast. I'd encourage you to check it out. It's called Sideline Sanity, and you can get all the information about Michelle and all the things that she does at michelletafoya.com. And Michelle is very, very active on social media, all the platforms, like, follow, all that great stuff. Michelle, thanks so much for being here yes, on thank the Tabor Gridiron Podcast. Oh, you guys are so kind, and I've been muting my mic because my dog, Jersey, is he sees something that I don't see, which is very often the case with dogs, as you both know, and he's barking a lot. So forgive Jersey, forgive me. It's snowing outside. Otherwise, I'd put him right outside the door, but... Um, it, we're, we might have to tolerate a few barks. Yeah, no, oh, and yeah, that's, that's great. Fine. It's, you know, it's real life here. Exactly. And that's exactly. that's what makes it fun. And so, Michelle, I want to really start with, you know, I read about, okay, the Super Bowl was your last game as far as with NBC. You've been to five Super Bowls. You've covered five Super Bowls. What is it like being at a Super Bowl? I just, not even just so much you're there, like as a fan, like Isaac and I, we've never been to a playoff game, let alone a Super Bowl. To just be a part of it, to be part of the team doing it, to be on the sidelines. Take me through some of what is it like being at a Super Bowl? You know, you it, one of the things is you know you have the Super Bowl at the end of the season that your network has it. It rotates between CBS, Fox, and NBC at, at, as for now. Um, so each every third year we knew we were going to have a Super Bowl. And so that whole season you're sort of thinking in those terms that you're – ramping up constantly to a certain degree toward that game. Then you get, you know, the bye week like the teams get, and you spend that whole week really preparing. You've watched the NFC championship game, the AFC championship game, and you've paid close attention. And you've started to think about, all right, what are the big picture stories? Well, the biggest picture story is the game itself. And so you have to be very careful. It's really tempting to get all these fun stories in about players and things that they did leading up to the Super Bowl or highlights from the season. But you have to be really careful to remember that the game is the most important thing at the Super Bowl. Halftime's Mm -hmm. big. And yes, the announced crew is very excited to be there. And it's 
a thrilling event, and and the venue that this last one in LA made it even more thrilling. It's just big and beautiful and bright, and um, and so yeah, you're excited, but you also really have to be disciplined and know know your role. And you've at this point, you know, when I did my first Super Bowl, um, I was I was nervous, but I was confident. But you know, then you get sort of used to it, although. The, the the pregame and the lead up, the day of, the energy in the stadium and the building is just palpable. And you feel it the minute you walk in. Tension just ratchets up. It's it's the same for the players. Once the game kicks off and you get through a few plays, everything starts to settle in. But that full day of anticipation and of energy, you can cut it with a knife. And it's you, you just have to be very disciplined in how you prepare yourself and that you don't get overly excited. For sure. That definitely sounds like a a process and having to prepare and all that. And it does sound like there is a lot of energy in that stadium. Now, I know you've interviewed a lot of people over the years. What would you say would be the most memorable interview that you've done? I think it would have to be Brett Favre beating the Vikings, or excuse me, playing for the Vikings and beating the Packers for the first time. That game had an energy all of its own, and it was the same deal. It was it was at in Minnesota at the Metrodome when the Metrodome was still in existence? Yep. And the minute you walked into the building, it was an unbelievable energy. I knew that Brett, this get game meant a ton to him. He had, as we all know, left Green Bay because yep. it's that all that well, and Aaron Rodgers was playing superbly. He went to the Jets for a while and then ultimately came to the Vikings. And if he were going to beat the Packers in this first meeting with his former team, which for, with which he was like a pillar, you know, just an historic Packer, he would have beaten all 32 teams in the NFL and would have been the first player to do that. And so it, this was a Monday night football game. And I remember and it was on ESPN. And I remember before the game, my boss said to me, if Brett wins, you can take as much time in the postgame hmm. interview which is a gift for a sideline reporter. You usually get three questions and you got you to gotta wrap. So when I was told that, I was thinking, oh, come on, Brett. <laughs> let's, get a, let's get a moment here, win this game. And he did, and it was incredible. And I've got a photo in my office of the back of Brett's head, and you can sort of see me holding the microphone. But the stunning thing about the photo is the number of cameras surrounding us. It's just like... It's like, you know, it's like he was the president of the United States or Mick Jagger or something and or Terry Styles. And and yet here it was. And I just wanted to capture the moment. So it was challenging and it was thrilling. That That's super cool. So I, I grew up watching Brett Favre. We're not Packers fans. Um, and, you know, we live here in Chicago. So you grew up being Bears fans. I grew up a Bills fan, actually, when I was really little and going for the Buffalo Bills this year. But Isaac and I, you know, we have our teams that we like, but we're football fans and we're player fans. Like we we loved watching Peyton Manning. We love watching Tom Brady. Players that are playing at an elite level in whatever position and whatever team we love watching. So it was always a joy to watch Brett Favre and watch him just manage the game. It was a different style of play. And yeah, it was super cool watching him. So that's awesome. I love that that you were able to spend that time and to do that, you know, with him. He, he was like must see TV. He was like when Brett was playing, you didn't dare turn the channel because you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes now. Right. Harry mm. Bonds would get up to the plate. You just wanted to see what was going to happen with Brett. And he was such a joyful participant. He he was like a kid out there. So 
yeah, no matter what you think of Brett, he was a he was a fun player to watch. That's that's really cool. I I want to get a little behind the scenes, if you if you can and take like we you know we watch the games, we see the polished you know what everything that kind of went together to put on a broadcast. So we're seeing Al and Chris doing their thing. Obviously, they're different guys now. And you, you know, watching you with your interviews during the game. What Take me behind the scenes with that. What is that process of the game uh, kind of behind the scenes? How are you preparing? What What's going on back there? Is it is it all kind of just messy and you guys are, <laughs> who, who's telling who we're going to commercial or we're doing this? Yeah. Or like, just kind of give me that behind the scenes aspect of a broadcast well it, during the actual broadcast i mean i i was so 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 fortunate to work with the guy i think is the best nfl producer that ever lived fred Gadelli, and he's now at amazon with al still and um in Jurassicoff, who's going into the broadcast hall of fame fred's already there al's already there uh our director Jurassicoff is going in this month so, I mean, I had a Hall of Fame crew, so there was a lot that was very easy, and we had we had gained this rhythm over the course of all the years together that we had worked together. But if you were sitting in the broadcast truck behind the producer and director, you would hear a lot of four-letter words. You would hear a lot of tension, but you would also see a beautifully well-oiled machine. Now, it takes hundreds of people to put this game together. Um, and you, I appreciated every single one of them, every single person, the guy pulling cable, uh, the guy with the handheld camera who was running around sweating, even if it was 10 degrees and, and just, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful, it's beautiful chaos is what it is, but it comes together. And it's so great that you can say that sitting in your living room and watching it on TV, it looks so smooth because when you've got a professional group that is as prepared as we are, and we prepare every week like it's a Super Bowl, then you know once you know that once the cameras go on, once we're on the air, that all that preparation is going to fall into place, and that's what happens. Um, so the whole week is hard, hard work, tedious, stupid stuff, overturning every stone to make sure that you're prepared. Um, I, John Wooden has a phrase, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And I, I repeated that to myself every single day that I was doing the tedious stuff. I mean, tedious stuff. So all of that was there and in place by the time you went on the air, which is what gave us the confidence to deliver a good broadcast. That, that's super cool. Uh, yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Okay, so now you're on the field. Now it's the game. Reporters are like postal workers. I mean, you're out there you know, rain, shine, snow, sleet, freezing, uh, hot, whatever, you're there doing that. Take me through some of that. What, what is that? Is that miserable? Is it still just the excitement? <laughs> you're like, now it's just pouring rain. Like, Oh, rain is the worst. Rain is the worst because it's really hard to protect your gear. And uh, I went from a paper notebook to, and I, my last several years, I was on a digital notebook, which was somewhat helpful, but you still can't get that thing wet, right? So it, rain was the worst. I absolutely hated rain. I had this guy that I worked with named Charlie Brown. Yes, that was his real name. He... <laughs> Drove a truck. He held my light during the games, and he turned in to be one of my closest friends on the broadcast. He would hold my umbrella for me over my head so I could do everything I needed to do. And I always felt terrible that he had to do that. And so there were times I'd say, Charlie, just I'll hold it. I'll hold it. But you think about it. You're holding a digital notebook, which requires like your forearm and your hand. You've got your pen in your other hand. Your microphone is stuck under your armpit. Where's the 
where's the umbrella going to go? Where are you going to hold the umbrella? So it was really challenging. And um, that's why I hated rain the most. I didn't love freezing either. Let's put it bluntly. I love domes. I love domes. I love working indoor games. Now, there was a time in my career early on, I didn't care what the conditions were. I just wanted to be out there. But you do it for as long as I have, and you come to really appreciate working in nice 70-degree under lights, control temperature. It's just, it makes your job so easy. So, but I've worked in all of it. Uh, we did a playoff game here in Minnesota where I live. And at the time the Metrodome had collapsed under snow. So we had to move to the college stadium and it was an outdoor situation and it was seven below at kickoff, seven below. And um, it was, I think one of the top five coldest games in history, something like that. And it, and I remember just the anxiety leading up to that game because I don't, I hate the cold. I hate it. And I thought, and I remember just feeling the dread. And then I made this decision, change your mind. You can't change the circumstance. So change your mind. You're going to embrace this. You're going to have every bit of heating that you can have. You're going to put the foot warmers in. You're going to have tons of hand warmers in your pockets. You're going to have, you know, we're going to make this work. And you're going to embrace it because you're not the only one that's out there. There, All the players are out there. The crew is out there. Deal with it. Embrace it. And so I embraced it. And it ended up being one of the most memorable games ever. And it was, uh, but I'll take a dome any day. For sure. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a hard job. And that rain, that does sound like a hard experience. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, What do you miss most about reporting on the sidelines? Well, about actually being there and reporting, I miss the the unpredictability of it. That's that to me is what made the job so fun and exhausting too. Because for those, from the time you stepped on the field pregame, which for me was I always got there three hours before kick at least, and from the time you got to the stadium, you were in work mode and you didn't stop. And it's it's I'm I'm feeling my muscles tense up just talking about it because. You are running around. You are trying to be the eyes and the ears on the field for things that cameras and microphones can't capture. You've got all the information that you've prepared with and you are waiting and and you never know. You're kind of like you just never know when your number is going to be called. You're sort of like a backup quarterback in that way that all of a sudden something happens like an injury and boom, go. It's time. Go time. Go talk about it. Tell us everything you know. And you've got to track it down and you've got to be accurate. And so... You know, it just it's years and years of building relationships with the right people and understanding how it's done and and um, just building exponentially over the years that that knowledge base, that sort of database in your mind about players, coaches, everything, teams and um, and being able to go with it on the fly and just be able to deliver something really cogent and and something that matters to the game. And we didn't, you don't always get those opportunities and you didn't want injuries, but you know, those were some of the most critical times. Gary Kubiak collapsed on the field at halftime of one of our games. And I spent the rest of the game being basically a medical reporter. And it was, it was the most urgent I've ever felt on a field, the most uh, focused and maybe the calmest, even though it seems like it would be, um, you know, sort of panic time, you had to settle in, focus and and make sure that your details were spot on and that you did justice to the story without 
you know, overhyping the moment and making it seem like you were trying to, to make the story bigger or less than it was. You had to be perfectly balanced. And it was a, it was one of the most challenging days of my career. Yeah, no, I'm sure I can imagine. Well, first of all, just one, all of that. Thank you for that. Just, it's cool to kind of get that breakdown and that just kind of behind the scenes aspect and the thought process. Mm-hmm. And you've done a fantastic job doing it for years upon years. And it, it never looked like it always looks so put together. And so it's really <laughs> it is really cool and, yeah. um, that I know Isaac wants to ask you some thoughts about the, your team this year, what's kind of happening um, and we'll kind of close. But I want to really quick from you kind of take it a little bit broad. I I saw on social media a while ago and I just, I really loved it and I saved it because it was just really cool. And it was a picture of you, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, but you quoted and just said, I was often the only woman in the room. I didn't focus on that. I focused on the job. If you feel unwelcome somewhere, change your mind, remind yourself, you are entitled to the space around you. Don't give anyone else power over the way you see yourself. Now, I, first one, I love that. But second, that is, I yeah. want I want to go a little bit bigger than that, really quick, Michelle. Of to the person that feels like they're a fish out of water, to the person that feels like they are in an unwelcome workplace or situation. What is some encouragement that you can give them to help them in a similar situation to change their mindset? What better way to find out what you're made of? And what you are all about than to be in an adverse situation. I really pity people that never have any adversity in their lives. How uninteresting is that? And how uninteresting a life led where there is no adversity. And I'm not saying find out what you're made of by being brash and tough and pretending that you're someone you're not. I'm, I'm saying you're in, a, you're in a situation, you're in a moment where you feel eyes on you or you feel out of place or you feel like the new kid or you feel like, you know, like I was the only woman in, in so many places. I just kind of decided um, I'm not going to think of myself as a woman in a man's world. I'm going to think of myself as a professional journalist in a journalism world where I'm competing with everyone. And, I, and, and in many cases, I learned very quickly that there were a lot of people that really shouldn't be there. They weren't very prepared. They weren't very good at their jobs. And that sort of, and that's not, this. I don't say that to make myself feel better, but it, it did remind me that I do belong here. In fact, you know, I, that, that, that gives me confidence that I am in the right place. I know that I'm competing well here. So I think just remember, it, it, look, this takes a lot of looking at yourself, examining your soul, if you will, and understanding who you are. And it, you also have to really learn to like yourself and be your best friend in all of this. Because when you're alone in those situations, it's just you and you. And you're not going to find friends all the time. So you have to be your friend through all of this. And so you've got to learn to like yourself. And that is not always easy. For some people, it's easier than others. It, it was a it was a long journey for me to to appreciate and respect myself for everything that I had done and everything that I was doing. You've got to do it. And I would, I'm a practicing stoic. And I say that because I am practicing, you continue to practice all your life. Um, Books like The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. In fact, Ryan Holiday has a whole series on stoicism that is so easy to read and accessible to anybody. It's not this deep, oh my gosh, I won't be able to read the language. What is life? Where am I? What am I about? It's not like that. It, it's, 
It's a way to see yourself in adverse situations and understand that this is a beautiful opportunity to find out what you're made of. And it may take some painful lessons. And trust me, I've had way more than I want to relate. But it, it's worth every bit of it when you come out on the other side. Wow, I got through that. I am stronger than I thought I was. So that, that's the, the, the best advice that I can give is to remember who you are, understand that it doesn't matter what people see in you. It's, it matters what you see in yourself. And I know that sounds kind of trite and kind of new agey, but it's, it's really what it's all about. Finding out what you are made of, not your parents, not your siblings, not your kids, you. You are entitled to every bit as much airspace as any other human on the planet. Amen. Thank you for that. I, I really I really appreciate that. And uh, to me, that's that was the most important aspect of of our time here and and the the podcast. And that uh, thank you for that. I, I I hope someone will listen, even if one person listens, because it, we all deserve to feel that way and to believe in ourselves. For sure, definitely, everyone deserves to have belief in themselves. Yes. Um, bringing things a little bit back to football, I know we've been, there have been a lot of underdog teams that have been coming up, like the Vikings and the Eagles. Now my dad's with the Bills, my heart's in New Orleans, I, <laughs> even though I know they're you not gonna- are all over the map, I my know, goodness. yeah. <laughs> now who would you say your team is this year? Well, you know what? One of the most liberating things in my life was becoming a sideline reporter where I wasn't allowed to have a cheer team to cheer for and I didn't live and die with every play and every I'm telling you that was so freeing. I loved it. I think that because I live in Minnesota and I've gotten to know these players in my community and and from covering them that I probably do pull for the Vikings. Um so in, in, as far as the NFL goes, but I'm like you guys. I love players. I love players and there are certain players on every team that I will cheer for. And so, you know, I, and coaches too, that, that I've worked really well with Andy Reid is one of my favorites of mm -hmm. all time. And those things are, those things drive me to watch games. hundred percent, hundred percent. We're with you. And that's, yes. that's awesome. I mean, we, we are, my whole family, my wife is just as much into this as we are. Oh, and we're, we're watching, you know, Thursday nights, Monday nights, three games on Sunday and just yeah. diving into and analyzing. <laughs> and it's just crazy. So, yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for your yes, time thank you. for kind of breaking some behind the scenes. It was a joy. And again, to the audience and to you, I apologize for Jersey. I don't know what he's seeing outside. Maybe it's just the snowfall that's getting him excited. But um he has been quite a distraction, and thank you for putting up with him. No, absolutely. Again, it's real life. It I is, appreciate yeah. it. I hope we can have you on again in the future. <laughs> sure. I love spending time with you, so thank you. I'd love to do it. We'll do it again. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. First of all, that was awesome. That was awesome. Michelle on and and spending time. And and the dog. You know, we got to meet Jersey. Yes. Hey. You know, I mean, uh, he Spread wanted to be love. on the podcast. So, you know, we get, get the animals on here every yes. once in a while as well. No, it was great. It was great. Love spending time with her and mm -hmm. kind of just getting that, that breakdown. And I mean, right now the saints aren't doing so great. No, She's going not. for the Vikings. Vikings, Vikings are doing are better doing than the really bills good. right now. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Thanksgiving was just fantastic. All the football games fantastic. on Thanksgiving it's really one of my favorite kind of weeks as far as it's so filled with football because you got three games on Thursday, all your games on Sunday, Monday night, and you just get just piles of football. And it's just a lot of fun. I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to, you know, we're watching over the weekend and they're talking about playoffs. 
and I can't believe that we're actually at that point. I know. That you're kind of gearing towards the end of the I season. I like that, the season just started. Right. And they're talking already of like who is in the playoff run, like what teams are at the top and who's in the wild card and who's kind of in the run. And you're just like, wait, we're there already? Exactly. I was like shocked when I saw that on the like on the TV and I was like, how are we here already? Like I felt like it just started. I wanted it to be like it just started. Football season is definitely one of the shorter sports seasons. We still out got there. time though. We still got time. And I'm looking forward to it. We still got plenty of games to kind of just break down and get into mm. those playoffs. The playoffs are a ton of fun. And just really those last couple weeks of the season, especially the games like it's your you win and you're in. I love those. Yes. Where those the teams that are really just battling. We're gonna see what's gonna happen. We'll be able to break down games more. I know there was a lot we wanted to talk about, but we got to spend awesome time with Michelle Tafoya mm-hmm. today. Again, check out michelletafoya.com. You can get all the information about her, all information about her podcast. And I'd encourage you to follow her on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the social media sites. You can like, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Send us an email anytime, tabergridiron at gmail.com. You can also comment in the Podbean app. Yes. Isaac, I'm looking forward to breaking things down next week, and we'll talk next week. See ya.